0: What's up and welcome into your Sunday, everybody. It's the OBR film breakdown crossed over all eyes on Cleveland. I don't even have to say it anymore. You know what to expect. It's myself. It's Brad Ward. We have Browns Rams, another four o'clock kick. How do you feel about the four o'clock kick, Brad? I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it. I I don't like feeling like a game's over. That's not a primetime game, but the game's over and it's like it's nighttime. I don't know how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, especially this time of year. After the clocks change, it's definitely dark. It's definitely yeah. nighttime when the game ends. Especially this one is until 425, too. So throw that in there. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Especially weird, as I was talking to Andrew this week earlier, about,
0: like, it's it's almost like a mini-bye week where we don't even get information on what's going on with the team until, like, 7 o'clock at night because practices are late over there by the time they wrap up, right? Super so weird week. It is a very weird week, man. so I you know, again, we feel like we know enough about what the team has going here and the situation they're in and how they're trying to to navigate the injuries and whatnot and their and their sort of deficiencies here and getting over the Joe Flacco thing kind of uh, it's all there, but I also don't feel all too connected either, Brad, because yeah, it's hard to have a feel for this thing is is again, we we feel like it's just less than we're normally accustomed to. As far as the anticipation of the game and and where the team's thought process is, so a little bit out in the uh, out out there guessing a little bit, I guess is the way to put it.
1: Yeah, interestingly, yeah, you do feel out of touch with like what a normal week would feel like. Interestingly enough, I thought um, I think it was good that they were out there when it was cold and crappy here. You know, at least they're in the L.A. Sun, uh, right? And to, for recovery reasons and spirit and stuff like that. But I did find it interesting that. Zagura mentioned that he couldn't imagine how this would feel like a normal game week to them as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which could, you know, is an interesting thought. Well, it is because, you know, I think no matter, I don't
0: know, it's it's an interesting situation, Brad. They wanted to stay out there, which I get. You go Mountain West, then you go another hour. We have um, our brother-in-law drives in every holiday season from Wyoming. I think I've talked about this before. It takes them like two weeks, three weeks to get adjusted to the time difference. It just yeah. it's massive. So I understand why they did it and what they wanted to do with it. But I will be interested to hear them talk about it after the fact to see if they thought it was an, a, a real benefit to, to what their operation was. Because, yeah, it's not, you know, you go from Ohio in November weather, which, again, the, the November stuff, because when they played Pittsburgh, it was pretty nice, all things considered yeah uh they they're you know the the weather hasn't been a huge deal is kind of my point before they left so they are getting nice weather i mean you know anytime you go out in la it's just almost feels like you're on an island at times i guess but uh myself personally i've never been out there it's just what i hear i'm going out there in february ironically but there's uh just a different feel out in la so yeah i can't can't imagine it feels like a normal week to them either i wonder if um, some of those guys who've done like the pro bowl and stuff like that feel like it's a similar feeling to that you know what i mean
1: Yeah, he mentioned, you know, the build-up of a game week, right? So you're in the building, you're doing this then Wednesday, you turn it up more Thursday, more, and then it's like, you know, the build-up to the game, he mentioned, is it's not not there because everything's different, right? You're not, you know. So I I wonder if that throws things off a little bit or not, and I guess we'll find out, right? We will. It would be nice for them to start out faster
0: than they have. It was the same case with the Broncos game where they didn't start out fast enough again, find themselves down 14 nothing, and you're fighting an uphill battle. That has been a pretty persistent theme. You're going to have that with young quarterbacks, but the defense, some of these early portions of games have not come out with an understanding of how teams are going to attack them. And I know that when we talk about how this game is going to be played out and what it takes to win is something that we're concerned about, which we'll get to. Before we do that, though, we have to hit on our usual tangents. We start with the broadcast crew. And I'm telling you, if you have the opportunity to either listen to Cleveland Browns radio or find Jim Donovan, somehow do it because this crew is the same crew as last week and they are, <laughs> to be polite, rough. I can't. Mark Sanchez saying the things he was saying last week, just uninformed and then questioning people right. who are far more intelligent than him in the game of football was, it was just
1: nauseating, Brad. At one point, they threw a flag and Sanchez went on the Browns. He went nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was awful. It was pretty yeah. obvious where his slant was leaning. Yeah,
1: it was was just weird. I don't even know, like, it was just, I guess he's not used to it. Uh, I don't know. He looks kind of like kind of a grease ball, too, when they were showing him up there. I'm like, that's Mark Sanchez now? I don't know. Not a fan.
0: Not a fan. I'm not either. And then the the group that they were with is, and and you might have those other names. I can't remember
1: the names. Kevin Kugler. Yeah, Don't know him. Didn't like him. Just going to, you know. And then uh, I guess I don't really have a problem with the sideline
0: yeah sidelines whatever but yeah, yeah to, to our general point here if you can find a different way to listen to the game we would encourage it because not a fun group whatsoever
1: all right um yeah, it's Chris all rose on the radio
0: that's right it's Chris Rose. so they're not sending that's right they wouldn't send jim out west it's a, right. it's a lot on him you'll get to the home games um yeah let's talk uh, all-time rams browns started out really hot for the browns I and mean, it's funny had my guest on yesterday too. It's it, the Browns drove the Rams out of Cleveland actually way back in the day. Um that's where the Rams came to be who they are. Uh so there is historical stuff here. These yeah. two teams have been playing for a little while since the 50s and I think I think that on the surface it looks like it's been pretty even but the recent trends are not
1: in the Browns favor. No, they're not. Uh 5 of 6 lost uh to the Rams back to the last game in 2019. You recall that game? I think it was an early, I don't remember the ins and outs of the game, but I just remember, you know, all the hype that year, a world's team, all that stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Odell and everything. And then that was, I think, a, was that a primetime game? I think it was a Sunday night football game. If I yeah. recall, it was obviously a
0: pretty good Rams team, you early know, so, season, um, I think. yeah, it was a pretty good Rams team early in the season game. I think the Browns lost 20 to 13, something like that. I looked it up a little bit ago, but I'm making sure I got the number right. But if I recall, also, Browns had a chance to tie that game late. Baker Mayfield threw a ball to the right corner of the end zone Mm -hmm. off of scramble, and I think John Johnson, ironically, was the one who intercepted him.
1: So John Johnson uh, found his way back into the uh, starting lineup there. I see that. It would be good to see John
0: again. Nothing against John. Didn't think he played the right position here. Um, Didn't think it was worth the money they signed him for, but uh, no ill feelings and hopefully... He's bad in this one, and then he's good the rest of the year. But yeah, yeah he's out there. All right, cool. Weather is LA, right? And the the semi dome they run operate out there. It's yeah, unique stadium. Dorm
1: yeah. sort of. I guess it's. I guess supposedly like open air. Why well, I don't. I don't really get it. I guess you have to be there to get it. Uh, i know there's been complaints when it does rain like it doesn't cover everything and somehow the concourses get wet still which is weird that's kind of a mistake in building a facility like that seems kind of crazy but mostly cloudy and 69 no rain uh here so uh they'll probably have those i guess they can open some of those things i don't know if they'll open them or not i don't know i'm not sure if it really makes a difference or you can tell i don't have no idea
0: so. Yeah, I don't either. No no clue. We'll just presume it's going to be really nice. It's almost climate controlled as it controlled, gets as a city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do our gambling side. So- well, we have two things. We should hit on officiating first. I know you wrote it up. You put it in pen to paper the first time we've wrote that up at the site. Hit us with the big notes from the officiating crew, what we should know going into this one.
1: Yeah, John Hussey. So this uh you know, Browns are we already had him, so we've gone through some of his tendencies already this year, but a quick reminder, he is very home field advantage oriented. Uh in his career, Jake, 76 and 39 calling games uh, home teams. That's a huge advantage. Last year 12 and 5 to the home wow. team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh Hussey uh called the fewest penalties per game in the NFL last season. So he is a let him play type of guy, uh, and uh, interestingly enough, in relating it to this game, uh, he has called the fewest pre-snap penalties in the NFL, uh, and the Rams commit above average... Uh, uh, defensive pass interference, and Hussey calls the third fewest DPIs so far in 2023. So, uh, Browns had them for the San Francisco Niners win week six, which they were the home team, relevant, you know, uh, as that ties to this. And then uh, in 21, they got uh, drilled coming out of a bye week in New England, I think, uh, 45 to 7. That was Hussey. And week six in 2020, another drilling at pittsburgh 38 to 7 so you see the slant there with the home teams um that's about it yeah
0: not much optimism around that let's just put it that way right we'll hope the browns can overcome the odds it's not like it's never happened 12 and 5 but they're gonna need to play a clean game gonna need to play a very clean game it's not gonna be one where you're looking at things that they'll do to benefit cleveland it's just hard to see that come to fruition so good stuff on that brad and then give us your parlay man which involves a lot of receiving yards i think it's fair I think this game has a chance to be a little bit more scoring oriented than uh, some people are predicting. So, And I think the over under has creeped up a little bit too, right?
1: Yes, it has. So I've been watching it all week. And so it did, the, the n- numbers kind of stayed around three and a half, four. It is at four right now. That might get bet down a little bit before kickoff, so keep an eye on that. Depending on which side of the number you want to be on, Rams minus four right now. Over and under is all the way up to forty and a half. Over under. I can't. Re- I can't remember a game the Browns is having over under that high this season. Jake, they've been in the thirties all year.
0: Yeah, so. I can't. I can't think of many either. That tells you they think there's a little bit of a Flacco bump. Probably tells you they believe the Rams are going to score a little bit in this one too. So they're expecting something in that you know twenty three twenty mold.
1: Yep. Absolutely. my uh, Browns uh money line plus one sixty-four, Rams uh minus one ninety eight on the money line. And here we go for the parlay. Uh Jerome Ford over fifty and a half rushing yards. That is the prop number. I like the over. Um and then, you know, I, I like to go to Elijah Moore here because of the familiarity with Flacco. Uh over thirty-five and a half receiving yards is a low number couple catches might do it and early on if Flacco's looking uh he might look to a guy that he's familiar with they've had some success together before so that's leg number two Uh, we love the running back out of the backfield uh usually when it's there and I like it here uh over 15 and a half receiving yards to Jerome Ford uh Amari Cooper we're gonna go catches over three and a half and of course. Hopkins. Now, they've moved Hopkins' number. You used. You could take over a field goal and a half, or you could take over the six. Five, it was five and a half points. They've knocked it up to six and a half points. So we're going to pivot from field goals to points. And look for that extra point. Two field goals gets you over it. I think that's okay to still bet at six and a half kicking points.
0: Yeah, I like it. I think... I think when I look at those with Hopkins, I always feel anytime you can get points, yeah, it's a good one because the Browns make a fair you know, amount of red zone trips, and all you got to do is get a couple field goals and an extra point. I understand why the, the companies would want to do it that way, but it feels almost like a guarantee to me, no matter what way you're on that one, that they end up getting there. I mean, the last week now, they wouldn't have gotten there last week because Right. I, I think he would have needed to knock in one more field goal. Right. He had two and then he had one extra point. If I'm, st- from, if I'm remembering correctly, right. No, they they actually, that he wouldn't have gotten there because maybe they saw last week where he only got two field goals and then they scored and they didn't kick the extra point, right? That would have gotten That's him right. to seven. So maybe they're teased up to do it that way. But I felt like that was a sort of, you know, I mean, random occurrence to me more than something I would be afraid of.
1: Interestingly enough. I think we hit last week, Jake. Um, oh, we did. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yep. Because uh, we had one and a half. So we hit fully last week on that. So hopefully you played that one uh, and got some money out of it. Uh, we Jack Duffin has been playing this kicking prop straight every week. So he hates that it went from five and a half to six and a half because he's been betting on that straight every week. So Yeah.
0: Eventually somebody had to key up the department down there in the study study group of like, hey, We've been yes. giving away free money on this thing
1: every single week. Maybe we
0: should slow that down. But I still like I still like six and a half. I don't have a problem with it overall. All right, good stuff. All right, we're going to take a break, as we always do, hear a word from sponsors, and then we will be back with how we think the Browns have to go about their operation to beat the Rams in this one. All right, so Brad, I think you've been doing a great job with uh, the angle of either looking ahead at opponent, opponents with behind enemy lines, or this week sort of switching it over right a little bit into a different angle of you know, how the Browns go about winning with a path to victory. And that's kind of what we do in the pod, and that's why I thought the angle would be good here. So talk to us about what you wrote and kind of how you're keying a Browns path to victory on this one, then I'll supplant it with anything I've thought along the way, too.
1: Yeah, something that you've talked about a lot is in their wins, how they you know, due to time of possession and the defense getting off the field, they've been able to out-snap teams offensively uh, a good portion of the time when they're winning. Even in some of their losses, they've done it by a good amount. So, But in their wins, just uh, to put number to it, they're out snapping the opponent offensively uh by 16.1 snaps per game which is significant that's a quite a bit more offensive opportunity uh that you're giving yourself there so thought i'd throw that out there first um weirdly feels like they might be catching this team at the wrong time as uh as you dive into the Rams side of things this week there's a lot of talk around how McVeigh has wanted Kyron Williams to be there his his bell cow back or his featured back for some time but due to injuries uh that has been you know postponed he comes off of IR last week and goes for 204 uh yards from scrimmage in the NFC player of the week offensive player of the week so uh, I think that's significant they were uh, very uh, they pretty much dismantled this Cardinals defense, uh, McVay did, in, um I listened to a Rams podcast uh, with the, the girl that hosts the Play Callers podcast. If you listen to that, she's very good.
0: Yeah, um, can't think of her name off the top of my head, but yeah, she is good. Jordan Rodriguez, maybe? Yeah, um, that's
1: it. That's it. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah, with her. And so, you know, she was talking about the offense and how multiple they were in the run game, inside zone outside zone uh duo uh gap scheme using all of it right to uh keep the defense off balance interestingly enough one of the areas you would think that the browns could get after them is in the pass rush right their offensive line is not great third 23rd ranked offensive line by pff this week and that's up four spots uh for them uh however they're just sixth in sacks jake so Stafford's getting the ball out quickly he's heady enough to get rid of it in time and that's kind of what that tells me also in their pass game last week I think this is interesting too 229 passing yards for Stafford and a lot of it was screens and stuff like that to the point that uh 25 of his completions were of 10 yards or less and nine of those 25 were at or behind the line of scrimmage so you can see what they want to do they want to stretch you vertically and horizontally uh they hit uh they talked about it even in the press this week they they hit um at atwell deep early and kind of got the uh cardinals playing them from deep to short and they took advantage of it in the pass game as you can see with the underneath stuff 129 of those 229 passing yards jake were all yak so Uh, Only 100 of those yards through the air, the rest of it, with their athletes running. So, you know, that's how they want to do it. That's how they want to take you apart. If you're the Browns' defense, you have to get pressure, but sacks aren't the number for me this week, Jake. It's all about disrupting Stafford. I don't think you sacks uh, dictate things, but pressures, quarterback hits, get him off his spot, make him uncomfortable. I think that's more important than necessarily the sack total. I think that's how you disrupt him. Um, and I think that the Browns' team speed should eliminate some of that yak yardage that um, they've been getting underneath with underneath throwing uh, short passing game. So, um, and the Browns play more man than anybody in the NFL. So that should change things too. You can go ahead and turn your back to Stafford. He's not going to beat you running up the field or anything like these other quarterbacks have in the past. Now, uh, will Will Greg Newsom play up to standard out on the boundary? Uh, and you're going to be probably without Denzel Ward again. So that's certainly a factor there. Um, But you got to get pressure on Stafford to make him uncomfortable. That's the main thing. And you've got to stop Kyron Williams in the run game, right? If he starts gashing you in the run game, it's going to be a long day because they're just going to build off of that. So I feel like that has to be the emphasis, right? Early stop Kyron Williams in the run game and disrupt Stafford, get him off his spots. Offensively, I think this defense can be... Beat, it definitely in the secondary, I think you can run on them too. A balanced offensive attack, uh, no turnovers, and you should be fine. And that's kind of where I'm at with this, Jake.
0: I'll agree with most of that. I think the thing that scares me the most is you look at this roster for the Rams, and and I, I, I do think there can be a lack of appropriate fear because you look at the names outside of Aaron Donald and a couple known names in the wide receiver group in Stafford, you're like, there's no reason we shouldn't beat these guys. You look at the names of the offensive line up front, their defensive line outside of Donald, right? They're secondary. It's not a ton of names you recognize, and it's a team that I think a lot of people can, like I said, have a lack of appropriate fear and can look past them. I have a fear, you know, when the, when the Browns look at how they're going to go about this thing, I, I'm not convinced they're going to play a heavy amount of man. Maybe they will. I I... I I'm, I'm concerned about the screen stuff that you mentioned because yeah. if you're worried about getting pressure on Stafford as a means to give them trouble, right, you want to pressure, 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 and screen game stuff is a great answer to that. So I think if the Rams think they can't sit in and throw, which if you look at what the what the Broncos did to alleviate some of that man stuff in a way that a team like the 49ers could not, You know, Because, again, you want to pressure. You want to try to get those guys who maybe aren't the most mobile. And I think you think Russell Wilson can struggle with that interior pressure stuff. Russell Wilson did a great job of drifting vertically in the pocket and creating backfield time to allow those routes to get open. Stafford, I don't think, is going to be able to do that as well. He's crafty, but he's not going to be able to do that as well. So are you going to get more of a Brock Purdy result where his – uh, you know, his energy, effort to throw at the time when it needs to be thrown is, is uh, is already too far gone, right? The routes haven't developed the way they need to. I'm just yeah. going to be paying attention to early how the Browns go about covering them because, like you mentioned, between Tutu Atwell, who can really run vertically, and what you get from Puka and Cup, which are really powerful route runners, they they really know how to get to their spots and create separation. You have to be worried about that. So the synchronization of what they're doing in the back half with the front half will be important. And I'm sure the Rams know the Browns want to pin their ears back as often as they can get after the quarterback. So how the Browns are keying running backs and screen game or perhaps even those tight ends will probably dictate a lot of those plays that the Rams will chase and screen like you said last week. So that's the side of the football I'm interested in because if you can get the Rams in a bunch of third and pass, I do think the Browns have a nice opportunity to put themselves in positions to make the Rams uncomfortable on offense. I fully expect that. But you you can't rush aimlessly in this game because McVay and the group will have an answer for that if you do it all all game. So that part is interesting to me, obviously worth watching. And then on the other side of the ball, it's like I think they'll run it fine. I don't think the Rams have a fantastic run defense, and I certainly don't think they're going to be the world's best coverage unit the Browns have played. So I, I do expect them to try to seek out that balance. It's how, how comfortable is Joe Flacco and how com- how how ready to go is he in, 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 in a step-in moment, right? Because we look back at 23 with Flacco and the Jets, sorry, 22, he still had training camp. He still had all those times off-season to know where he was playing, the playbook. Everything is very rushed here. So I think there's a thinking uh, around Flacco stepping in and just being able to sort of seamlessly be a version of himself last year. I'm a little worried about it. I'm not as confident as some people are. I think Joe can do it. He's a heady veteran, and he's been around systems similar to this with Scangrello and uh, LaFleur and then obviously dating back to Kubiak himself back in 2014. But that doesn't mean it's going to be seamless. And, you know, you have to expect some bumpy stuff on offense. But if they do get the matchups they want, which I'm hoping they are less read and more matchup oriented this week to help Joe just kind of know where to go with the football, half-field reading it, I think they have a chance because Joe can throw it around a little bit. So they should be able to run. I hope they can find some opportunistic matchups uh, in the in the secondary to to try to get after them, um. And I and I would love to see them be able to sort of push forward a screen game with some, you know, opportunities to get some yards, cheap yards that way. Because I think they're going to be chasing cheap yards as they have been with their fourth starting quarterback here. So again, the formula is what it is. They need to manipulate defenses to get those long drives. And then we talked about everybody non-Deshaun Watson, two touchdowns on the year from the quarterbacks and 11 quarterback turnovers, (laughs) right? They have to take – if Joe can just take care of the ball, then they'll have a chance. They'll have a real chance. I expect them to be in it. We'll see ultimately what that looks like down toward the finish line, but I expect them to be in it, and I'm hoping that the offense can make just just enough plays similar to the P.J. Walker starts, just enough plays – to give them a chance to win it at the end. But I I mean, I'm calling like a 23, 20 Browns win or something even goofier score like 22,
1: 19 or 21, 18, something goofy like that. Yep. I'm right there with you. I think uh, similar to what I picked, but uh, yeah, I I think that sounds about right. I think it's going to be close regardless, uh, as long as Flacco can manage the game offensively. Right. Interesting stat. I'll throw at you real quick here uh, this week. The, um, four of their five wins have come within their division the Rams so they are one in five outside of the NFC West which is interesting including a loss to the Steelers and the Bengals so, so
0: we need them to we need them to get this one man they they going to 8 and 4 here before coming home would be really really important 7 and 5 it starts to get a little uncomfortable i'm sure you would yes. agree with me on that so the hope here is that they can get this win feel comfortable coming home for two two opponents that are on the up and up the Jags and Bears and feel good about themselves you would hate to travel out west for two weeks and not come away with any sort of victory that'd be tough so I know the Rams are hungry they're five and six they know they need to get to six and six to keep their playoff hopes alive as well so two hungry teams man and we'll just have to hope that this more controlled environment, less altitude, less outdoor, less raucous. And I expect there'll be quite a few Browns fans in the stands for this one, so you feel you feel relatively better about the home field scenario versus what we saw last uh, last
1: week as well. So that that should uh, that should aid things here, some Brad. Yeah, I got to feel that a lot of people actually did the Denver to LA trip, Browns fans trip. Uh, so you know, from what I've heard, it sounds like maybe 60, 65% Browns fans. Let's hope so.
0: Let's hope so. They're going to need every single one of them. They're going to need it to feel a little more neutral than than uh than we than we we saw it in Denver at least. So, uh, fingers crossed that happens. That's it for Brad and I. We appreciate you stopping by, taking time on your Sunday to make this podcast a part of your day. Make sure to subscribe to All Eyes on Cleveland, same through OBR Film Breakdown, and subscribe to the website too, which is a one dollar for your first month opportunity. Take advantage of that. Best Browns community you will find online. Let's hope your Browns get things taken care of in LA. We'll check back in with you immediately after the game on the OBR YouTube and Twitch, as we always do for the rewind episode so join us then if you want to talk about the game and listen until then have a great sunday do whatever you need to do take advantage of your three free hours from one to four it's a little bit extra time to knock some things out without a ruined mood or uh, overly uh overly happy mood whatever that is for you after the game the browns have given you happiness more than sadness this year so uh listen take advantage of that time during the day have a good one thanks for listening to this and go browns